This episode of Achieving Rally, the podcast, has been brought to you by HorrorPack.com. Do you like movies? Do you like mystery boxes? Now for the biggest question. Do you like horror movies? Yes. Yes, I believe you do. HorrorPack.com has your fix for both. Sign up. And every month you'll get four movies on either DVD or Blu-ray. Unless you sign up for both. Well now, how much is this fantasy of horror? The DVDs are $19.99 a month. The Blu-rays are $24.99 a month. Pretty much a deal right there. Oh, and tell them Larry Greenstein sent you from Achieving Reality, the podcast. Horrorpack.com It's what everyone is dying for. (laughs) And a product review. So what do we want to do? Start with a review and work our way down? All right, sure. Hey, everybody. It's time for another Team Rally, the podcast. This week, Chris and I, and I think Marissa, talk about Harissa chips that tastes like pimento cheese and harissa uh, and i make a lot of marissa jokes since her name rhymes with it and a couple other things that are really important and uh, no they're not so sit back relax and enjoy this episode of achieving rally the podcast we will see you at the end stupid as they are on the show. <laughs> Although they try. No, we're, we're pretty stupid. Hey, Chris! Hey! What's going on? Not much. How you doing? What you got for us? Ah, there we go. That's what I was waiting for. That's why I was dragging it out. <laughs> I have pimento cheese and harissa, not morissa, but harissa. That would be a bit questionable. <laughs> yeah. The naturally flavored ripple cut kettle chips from Private Collection, which is Kroger's uh, Bread. Kroger, right? Yeah, Kroger bread. What's the uh, what's the Target one? Oh, I have no idea. Big red dot. No, actually, the big red dot doesn't show up on their products. Yeah, so, no, some of them are like oh, presidential something is red and white labels. And some yeah, of them. but when you go down the line, but their like, oh, their entire aisle is red. You know, it's all their products. Uh, they have a, a line that's their higher quality merchandise. Yeah. So this is private selection. It's the Kroger higher end because the yeah. lower end is. Psst. It literally is. That's what we do normally buy as our tortillas because we don't buy bread. Ten for ten. Yeah, it's the. Psst. But this last time it was one of the bigger name brands, and they were ten for ten. So I'm like, I'm just gonna grab those. They're softer. 
What's funny is that they have those 10 for 10 specials. You can never find 10 things I want. Oh, yeah. Well, that's weird. Every once in a while, it'll be something I really want. I don't need 10 cans of Pringles. I get the... Uh, You're only a dollar five to start with. <laughs> I get the um, breakfast burritos from a... I can't remember. The, it's like El Segundo or something. El Segundo. And uh, I buy those because I go to work in the morning sometimes and I like to have some breakfast before I go. Yeah. All right. So, the ingredients are potatoes. Vegetable oil contains one or more of the following. Corn oil, sunflower oil. Or canola oil, salt, corn, pepper, hey, cheddar cheese powder. Going to the factory somewhere with a pepper grinder, just standing over the vat. <laughs> I hate my job. Um, I probably mix that up. Garlic powder, onion, onion powder, modi- <laughs> modified corn starch, citric acid, spice. Our prerequisite Dune reference here. <laughs> yes. Vinegar powder, natural flavor. Paprika Extractives contains milk. <laughs> Distributed by the Kroger Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. I think that should actually need to be on the package. Because it says cheese on the front. Yeah. Private, I didn't know pimento cheese had milk in it. Damn it. Private, you deserve to be gassy. <clears throat> Private selection, pimento cheese and harissa kettle chips, are made from farm-grown potatoes. As opposed to? Lab-grown potatoes. Wild potatoes. Wild potatoes. Some guy out there in the... Wilds of Idaho looking for wildly growing potatoes. They probably exist. <laughs> no, maybe not. Like the Santa that, chip business? No, but they probably do exist. There's probably like a farm out there that out there went a, out, you know. With a dog acting like a truffle pig. <laughs> wild potatoes. Potato dog? Potato dogs. That's a good title for the episode. Potato dogs. <laughs> potato dogs. Uh, cut I never th- know what the episode's about. I just click on it because of the name. Cut into thick ripple kettle cooked in small batches and seasoned with an irresistible combination of flavors. The rich southern-inspired flavor of pimento cheese pairs perfectly with a smoky, spicy twist of Marissa. I mean, Harissa. <laughs> so, where is Marissa today? She is at a play with her mother. Sure she is. That's what you say every week. Kind of what it is. It smells like the ketchup-flavored chips. No. Smell it. Not a lot, but it's just, yeah. Mm. All right. Here we go. Um, Let's set a nice stack down here on the carpet. (laughs) No, 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 no. And the placemat. Pretty good. Interesting. I like it. It has a weird sour undernote to it. Sour onion? Under note. Oh. That would probably be the, the, the Marissa. Yes. She's slightly sour. Well, after how many years of marriage? Thanks. There's more than me. No. They're good. I like them. They'd probably be really good with a pimento cheese sandwich. Hmm. Or like maybe some barbecue or something. I mean, it's not screaming pimento cheese at you. No, it's not. But it's not denying it either. Actually, a lot stronger with the Harissa than than the pimento cheese but you can taste a little as I spit everywhere let me get that on your glasses yeah um you, you get a little bit of the oh, cheddar right. episode 280 be like when did he start wearing glasses <laughs> they're good I like them yeah. I, I have to admit though I had these earlier last week mm-hmm. because one of the, the the ladies I work with 
on the houses and brought these in. And she only had a few, so I grabbed one chip mm -hmm. and tried it and went, what the hell is that? And she told me. And I was like, I have to get that for the podcast. And it was like the I size that you have in your hand, too. Yeah, I don't know about the size of a quarter. I don't know if I would buy them over another flavor of chip, but if they're on the counter for a you know, Super Bowl party or whatever. Well, these were uh, two for five bucks. Oh, well, then maybe. So I got this and another flavor, but we've done the other flavor before. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll maybe I'll change my mind if it's just two for five. Or it's two for six. Or something like that. One of those two. They're pretty about good. four for seven. <laughs> That'd be weird. Three for eight twenty-two. No, I like it. This is definitely a chip you need to eat with something. If you're just in the mood for something different, I would say, yeah, go ahead and get it. Oh, yeah. But it's definitely a chip you need to eat with something. Hot dog, hamburger. Oh, Best Buy, January 7th, 2019. Remember when you used to buy things like the Best Buy day would be like 10 years in the future? Yeah. Well, now they're making everything fresher. It'd be an expiration date, first of all. It, right. Wouldn't be yeah, Best like, Buy date. Well, like, eat this before you die. Technically, the Best Buy date is not the expiration date. Mm hmm Eat this before you die. You know who started the Best Buy date, don't you? I was her. Mm hmm And then everybody went, oh, we gotta do that. That sounds like a great idea. Okay, everybody, do you realize that their beer is only really technically good for two weeks? And I'm not saying that because I'm a dick about it. It's literally been proven. You are kind of a dick about Budweiser products. But it has been proven by Budweiser that their beer is really only good for about two weeks. That's why they do that. And they even said it in their commercials. The okay. reason our, be our beer is we have the best by date is because our beer is best to that point. After that, eh, you're on your own. But it's not like lethal or anything. No, it's no, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't go bad, technically. But it's not what you would, if you enjoy Budweiser, it's not a flavor that you would enjoy after hmm. three weeks or so. Well, maybe three four weeks anything more than a month and you're pretty much going to be like eh let me go buy another six pack alright just be on the safe side don't buy it yeah well yeah there's that these would go great with a hot dog a hamburger barbecue honestly these things would go phenomenal with barbecue get Billy to throw in like a freaking rib roast not Billy the bearded chef yeah bearded bearded, okay. bearded the Billy chef Look him up on Facebook. Yes, you should. And if you want to, I would use him for catering. The guy's food's fucking phenomenal. That's a lot of fists. And uh, this is not a sit down, watch TV, and bang chips unless you want something different. This is a sit down, have a picnic, or whatever. If you just, like I got pork chops I'm going to cook tonight. These will probably go really well with that because they're brown sugar and bourbon. Ba ba uh, uh, the hell is it called? Basted. Marinated. Okay. That's what it is. So they're brown sugar and bourbon marinated. So these would probably go amazing with that. And I'm probably going to eat them with it. So there you go. <laughs> but I like them a lot. Yes. I really do. They, it's it's definitely different. A little more Harissa than I expected it to be. Because the chip that I got from my friend was more cheddar. Good. I, would, I would buy them again. And probably will. Because I have four pork chops. Actually, I have two whole things. of These pork chops are like two inches thick. Good Lord. I paid like eight bucks because they were the uh should have had a slice of a half. No, there was four in one package. Well, I mean slice them this way. So oh yeah. And you have eight. So well, I have eight. You have eight regulation size. I, I have eight giant size. The next week we're gonna be like posting to Facebook. I'm so tired of pork chops. <laughs> no, they're in the freezer. They'll be marinated in something else. I bought two different marinades. Oh. Uh -huh. So, but we have four here, so we'll eat those for two days, and then uh, I'll make the next ones probably in two weeks or so. 
And then I'm going to make Nashville spicy chicken. Nashville hot chicken. Not like they do at KFC. No. That was not... That's that was not and don't pleasant. eat the Georgia Golden honey. That wasn't chicken. That stuff is disgusting. That wasn't very pleasant. No, so many good things you can get at KFC. That was just not one. Of them. Yeah, I mean like their extra crispy chicken. I don't know why they keep doing that. Because they're trying to do something different. Trying to lure people in. Yeah. Now I will say their chicken fingers, Nashville hot, are fairly good. Really? Yeah, but you need to add more hot spice to it. We have a Hattie B's that just opened here in Atlanta. It's down by the old Turner Stadium area. If you're ever in Nashville or here and you want to go there, hit Hattie B's because they're the people who basically created Nashville Hot Chicken. And it's and you get it Nashville hot, Chris's head would explode in flames, but it's phenomenal. Marissa got it in mild. It's just enough heat, really. Even you would really enjoy it, Mr. I Don't Like Pepper. And then you get the side of the I'm creamy. Not a fan of you get the side of the uh, creamy coleslaw or the creamy mashed, not mashed potatoes, uh, potato salad, mm-hmm. and it kills the heat like instantly. So you eat it, and you're like, thunk, oh, 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 and uh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I know that's like weird. a little switch. <laughs> it, it does. It kills it almost down to the point of having not burned your mouth. So very tasty. So that's my food rant. Okay. And other things. It's my food and beer review. You, however, it wasn't the product we were actually reviewing. No, well, I already did that. So cue food and beer music. Putin. Yes, Putin. Hey, guys. Hi. What are you doing? Um... Sitting here looking at the computer. Oh, anything interesting? Yes. What is it? Top 10 yay. Oh boy. <laughs> Ta, uh, top 10. Ta. <laughs> Ta. <laughs> top 10 odd and fascinating facts about the Third Reich. Oh, those guys. Yes. Number one. Number two. don't like archaeologists. <laughs> Number 10. Kitty cat. Staring in the window. No, number 10 is not kitty cat staring in no, the window. The, key, the Stary Kitty Cat is now staring in their window. Oh, good. Let them... It is literally a peeping Tom. Unless it's been fixed. Uh, or it's a female. And it's a peeping Peggy. Peggy? I don't know. Number 10. Number 10. Hitler immunity. Hitler immunity? Yes. What is the first rule of poisoning a victim in a Hollywood movie? Don't drink the poison yourself. While Adolf Hitler unleashed his murderous regime, aided and abetted by numerous strategic and opportunistic henchmen and conspirators, the henchmen. most yeah like the a most, yeah exactly the most disdainfully remembered of military aggressors and war criminals actually had the pseudo-scientific and absurdist racist law of Nazi Germany written in a way as to exclude the possibility of Adolf Hitler being persecuted as a Jew because he was. If he were somehow found to be of Jewish heritage, which he was. Well, half Jewish anyway. So he had all the laws written, except me, of course. Yeah. Well, think about it. The Aryan race was what? German. Well. Nazis. No. Supposed to be six foot blue eyed blonde hair, right? He was like, yeah, he was like five, three, black haired, funny mustache, brown eyed. As played by Rucker Hauer. Yes, exactly. I loved him in Downfall. (laughs) He was great. (laughs) 
What exactly was going on in his mind? An English article has been published in 1933. There's nothing going on in his mind. He just liked tall, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guys. <laughs> Which depicted a gravestone. That's a thing for him. Located in Bucharest. Jewish cemetery in the graveyard was a memorial to a man also named Adolf Hitler. In addition to the name on the stone, the relic also happened to include inscribed characters that were of the Hebrew language. In his fear resulting from the surprising discovery of the unrelated yet uncomfortable namesake, Hitler had the Reich laws that defined a Jew under Nazi policy written to exempt Jesus Christ and, just in case there was a connection, Adolf Hitler himself. But did that apply to the other Adolf Hitler? The dead one. Doesn't matter, he's already dead. You never know with Nazis. Never nine! Like dig him up and persecute him. <laughs> dig him up and gas him. Shoots him, shoots him, shoots him. <laughs> then arrest and interrogate them. <laughs> Why is this man not dying? He's dead. Why is he already dead? Because you dug him out of the ground. He's like half bone. I don't care! Gas him again! Alright. Freak. Number, number nine. Make him confess. Number nine. Joseph Goebbels was half Dutch. Okay. That's surprising. I didn't know he was half Dutch. Well, I didn't know he was it, half Dutch. It, it belongs, it really it belongs in the fascinating side, at least. Oh, okay. Uh, we already know that Nazi regime is notorious for having participated in the aggressive military actions, either to add territory through hostile acts, address conflicts and grievances... That's how we address conflicts and grievances. Apparently. I thought we had a pole and we just yelled at each other and then wrestled for it. But I know. Where are you going? Uh, or persecute identifiable groups. One of the victims of Nazi aggression was the Netherlands, a country unfortunately remembered for being violently invaded by the Nazi-backed German forces while brutal oppression of minority groups ensued. However, what might come as a surprise is that while Germany invaded the Netherlands, the man doing the yakking behind the Nazi war machine, propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, Goebbels, Foibles. whatever, Foibles, was actually born to a Dutch-born Catholic woman named Frank Menos. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, very, that's very Dutch. Very Dutch. Maria Catalina Goebbels, who had married his German father. Thankfully, because... Otherwise, it'd have been a scandal. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Joseph suffered from significant disabilities stemming from contracting polio that lasted throughout his life, and was also known for an exceptionally disturbing ability to make hate speech a matter of popularity to what some might consider a surprising degree. Despite his role as perhaps the most vocal and strident of anti-Semitic supporters. Of Hitler, the man, which is actually very funny, the man who had an exceptionally distressing dedication to promoting Hitler's regime received as much university training under a revered Jewish professor, known for his mastery of the works of Gothic. Gothic? No, G O E T H E. All right, whatever. Number eight, Ava Braun's background checked. Checked? Checked. That's kind of funny. Okay, so there's a picture of Hitler and Ava Braun. At the Eagle's Nest or whatever the hell it was called, he's got a German Shepherd, uh-huh. and she has a Scotty dog. Actually, two Scotty dogs. One just happens to be off camera. Alrighty, but you can see its shadow. Ava Braun remains a mysterious secret to a fair degree, primarily due to the fact that her very existence and presence in the Führer's life was a secret from the Nazi state. <laughs> that secrecy was due to the fact that Hitler was supposed to be married to the Reich, according to the twisted Nazi doctrines. 
Of particular interest is that Hitler's romance with Braun is not the usual romantic pursuit. After becoming fascinated with Braun, some would say, smitten, Hitler studied her in a rather creepy and Klausian way, and then proceeded with his interest in her by ordering SS investigations into her heritage to see if she happened to be of Jewish background. Okay. Hi, everyone! Well, that, that, could, that could be a scandal. Could be. It'd make it really funny. Well, to you... Not to Hitler. I don't give a shit about Hitler, Hitler things. Hitler would not have found it funny. Too bad. This Fuck him. This is, I had to rewrite the law again. <laughs> God damn it. This does not apply to anyone named Hitler or anyone that Hitler's stripping. <laughs> I don't think he was stripping her. I think he was a little more like Klaus than we like to admit. Once Hitler was satisfied with his possibility was not the case, as far as the results of the investigation were concerned, the romance between the Austrian-born German nationalist fanatic and the German woman carried on without issue. That is the danger of courting a Nazi leader. The reality that one may have a fanatical background check run on you behind your back. Over the course of Braun's short life with Hitler, she seemed to have a full range of benefits from domestic life when it came to material provisions, possibly due to her two suicide attempts. So that whole Hitler ending in the bunker thing, that didn't come as a big shock to her, I guess. No. But I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> Number seven. Number seven. We're only up to number seven. <laughs> Werner Goldberg, the Jewish Nazi poster child. Okay, let's, let's see what this is about. Yeah, that, this one goes very distinctly and very hard under odd. The mad policies of the Third Reich were enabled by a curious mix of strong men, intimidated common folk complying with aggression and violent sanctions. Criminals seeing a chance to take a piece of the action, and opportunistic everyday villains and lackey weaklings. That was very decidedly not German. <laughs> Who did? Well, okay, uh, did the bidding of their finance financial financial higher ups? Here you go, Bob. <clears throat> their fanatical higher ups. In a bizarre twist of irony, the image selected to represent the ideal German soldier of Nazi propaganda ideals on a widely flaunted Nazi poster was one of a German-born man named Werner Goldberg who had become a German Wehrmacht soldier after entering army service because, surprise, neither he nor his father could obtain employment because of their Jewish heritage. Goldberg himself was only half Jewish. Never top Doesn't say. Uh, despite that, Goldberg entered the army and participated in the invasion of Poland and was photographed by a German Arnie, Arnie? Arnie? army photographer who passed the photos on to a large Berlin news outlet. When Hitler saw the images, he was delighted. Oh, that's it's great, yeah. Uh, forced out of the army. That's a very interesting interpretation of Hitler. <laughs> forced out of the army. <laughs> Such a happy Hitler. <laughs> Well, we don't really know how happy he was because there weren't a lot of films of him in his private. I'm the joyful Führer. I love everybody except the Jews. Because I am... And, and the gays. And the gays and the blocks. The blocks? You don't like blocks? What? No, shut up. Uh, the army, when his Jewish identity came into public light, Goldberg and his father escaped from a hospital. Goldberg survived until 2004. So so his dad saw the poster and was like, uh, Junior, uh, you want to tell me something? I'm secretly a Nazi. We gotta go. 
Yeah, we got no. Goldberg survived until 2004. Hmm. That's fairly impressive. I'm sure there were not any um, reprisals of his perfect Nazi soldier role in his life after that. <laughs> no hey, updated posters. We would love you to be an actor. Could you play the perfect Nazi? I already have. <laughs> and no. <laughs> and no. And nine. Number six, Dr. Edward... <laughs> Block, Hitler's Jewish doctor. You know, for a man who hates Jews, he pretty much surrounded himself with Jews. Hitler may have been the history's worst mass persecutor of Jews, yet few people know that he and the rest of his family were taken care of medically by a Jew throughout his childhood. Dr. Edward Block was Hitler's family physician the regard in which Hitler held him that he had arrangements made to ensure his protection among the senseless horrors of the Holocaust. Hitler and his cohorts were perpetrated. Born in what was now no, part my <laughs> Born in what was now part of the Czech Republic, Bloch treated Hitler as a child. It was also Everybody treated Hitler as a child. Treated <laughs> as a child. And was also the doctor to his mother, Clara, caring for her as she died of cancer. Clara Bell Hitler. Mm. Actually, Fergie, Fergie. if you want to go that route. Uh, Hitler made the postcard and gave the doctor gifts the year after his mother died. Later, as he established the virulent Nazi regime, life began to get hard for Bloch under the blanket persecutions against Jewish people. As various losers joined Hitler to promote nationalism and glorify themselves at others' expenses most opportunistically, Bloch wrote to Hitler to ask for some reprieve. Hitler had described the doctor as a noble Jew. In response to the doctor's request... Oh, is your family a noble Jew? I don't know. Probably not. Hitler had Bloch put under Gestapo protection, allowing the doctor and his wife to remain in their homes before emigrating to the United States after World War II. That's emigrating, not immigrating. It's a difference. Explain. I forgot what it is, but there is a difference. Okay. Uh, once coming here legally, uh, before a specific time in history and helping populate the country, the other one is coming here and just basically taking up space. Alrighty then. Yeah. Uh, number five. Number five. Hitler's chauffeur. Let me guess, Jew? Well, creepy enough, he looks just like Hitler, except with a different mustache and hairstyle. Okay. But he's wearing Lederhosen. Okay, this is getting interesting. Emile Maurice is notorious Maurice. as one of the founders of the SS who formed a close relationship to Hitler prior to World War II, helping produce Hitler's book Mein Kampf, which I've read. Uh, Maurice also served in a leading... No spoilers. Um, we all know how it ends. Uh, leading bodyguard role and was known as one of Hitler's most trusted chauffeurs in his career. Maurice was the first of three chauffeurs engaged by Hitler... And also played a He's leading engaged role. to a chauffeur. Stop it. And the and also played a leading role in early revolutionary activities that grew the weight throwing ability of the Nazi Party and spawned the thuggish SA and brutal SS. The catch: Emil Maurice, trusted confidant of Hitler, was actually in fart. Can't take you anywhere. Well, it's fact and partially. Mixed together. Partially. Partially. Emil Maurice, a trusted confidant of Hitler, was actually, in, in fact, 
partially Jewish. What'd you have? Top half or what? Partially, it was just a hand. Oh, it's just a hand. The virulently anti-Semitic Heinrich Himmler wanted Maurice out. Despite raging anti-Semitism, Hitler hadn't protected him and remained in service. The work of Maurice while in prison with Hitler for attempting revolutionary violence involved writing down lots of hate speech against those of Jewish heritage. All conflicting connections aside, Maurice's violent agitation was unmitigated as he fed the growth of the Nazi party. So he was a self-hating Jew. Well, self-hating hand Jew. Hand Jew. He's Jew-ish. Yeah. Number four. Number four. A Jewish baby. What's most okay. I, what, what's most ironic about the Nazi regime? Some of their shoot yourself in the foot mistakes they that were held up fine. Uh, Try again. Just three more coming. Yeah, it. yeah, I know. Four more. I gotta really finish this one. What's most ironic about the Nazi regime? Regime. Some of their shoot yourself in the foot mistakes where they held up fine Jewish people, members of an identifiable group, against whom they enacted their most egregious hate crimes as representations of their Aryan ideal. <laughs> what? That is true. Wow. I, I, I can't get enough of that stuff. That's comedy gold right there. While Werner Goldberg suffered Jewish identity-based persecution, but was later accidentally held up by the Nazis as a symbol of their very physical and military ideal, another Jewish person had their image unintentionally used by the Nazis to depict their vision of an Aryan baby as part of their idiotic <laughs> propaganda machine. Oh, boy. Born in 1934 in Berlin, a baby girl named Hesse Levinson's Taft had her image entered in an Aryan baby photo contest by a photographer who wanted to effectively troll the Nazis. While the stunt certainly played the Nazi party, it's also true that the action may have put the baby's safety in danger from the brutal regime. The baby's image was selected by Goebbels himself as a winning photo. <laughs> the child survived... You're a winner! <laughs> You're a wiener! The child survived the war, left Germany, and at least as of 2014, was a chemistry professor working in America. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Just four years ago. Okay, number three. Chris is already bored. Yeah, he is. The, thanks a lot. The peculiar story, uh, and then, so from now on, I'm going to start playing with my phone Okay. while you're doing your bits. My bits don't take a whole hell of a lot of work there. I just snark at you every like, three minutes. The peculiar story of Rudolf Hess. Uh, yeah. The reindeer had a very shiny nose. Rudolf, I understand, yeah. Rudolf Hess is the significant yet mysterious figures in the history of the Third Reich. Hitler's exceptionally devoted deputy, Hess, was firstly not born in Germany, but in Egypt, two yep. German parents. One of, the er time, no. One of the earliest proponents of German aggression in the Civil War. The Civil War. The Second, <laughs> second Whoa. Well, kind of. The Second World That's War. A surprising fact. And, and a close compatriot of Hitler has helped him prepare Mein Kampf. Another one. Yeah. Uh, Ghostwriters on that one. The, <laughs> Maybe it should be our con. Yeah. Uh, while they were in prison together, becoming a Nazi party leader member, a deputy and secretary to Hitler, Hess developed certain concerns in 1940 over the German plan to engage in a war of aggression on both the Eastern and Western fronts. Hmm. By 41, Hess succeeded in arranging a plan to engage in negotiations to break off hostilities with the British. This plan involved getting flying lessons beginning... Oh, I remember hearing this story, actually. In 1940, received from no less than the chief test pilot at Messerschmitt. 
After receiving flight training in May of 41, Hess got into a Messerschmitt BF110E-1 forward slash N and flew to Scotland. <laughs> a big title there. I know, right? Where he attempted to negotiate with the British and ended up being in prison for the rest of his life. I mean, war. He ended up serving the remainder of his life in prison follow, oh, well, yeah, for the rest of his <laughs> life. Following findings of guilt in the Nuremberg trials for fostering war aggressions anyways. Number two, Hitler's Asian admiration. Okay. Hitler is notorious for his conceptions of the authority of Germanic master race. Yeah. But in fact, his very words were quite contradictory to some of his actual beliefs. Yes, he wanted to build a thousand-year Reich and advance the interests of the eugenically advanced Germanic people. Mm -hmm. But his own statements, which he got that idea from an American... His own statements show a different perspective. Hitler is quoted as considering East, and we've actually talked about that other American. Hitler is quoting East Asians superior in their culture evolutions to Germany. Uh, Hitler considered the Chinese and Japanese to be honorary Aryans. And honorary. Honorary. Honorarians. And, <laughs> I guess so. And sought cooperation with China to a large degree and also to Japan, but went with Japan because he liked their food better. There's nothing like a good thing of fugu. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's, That's funny. But went with you Japan. Made it funny. I did. I do that a lot. Uh, but went with Japan as an ally as hostilities between China and Japan festered. While Hitler is better known for pro-Indo-European sentiments and statements, he stated in a racist but still admiration-filled quote. <laughs> As follows. Okay, here we go. This that should be the name of the episode. <laughs> that, that, a racist, but uh, pride. Uh, quote: Pride in one's race, and that does not imply contempt for other races, is also a normal and healthy sentiment. I have never regarded the Chinese or the Japanese as being inferior to ourselves. They belong to ancient civilizations, and I admit freely that their history is superior to our own. They have the right to be proud of their past. And just as we have the right to be proud of the civilization to which we belong, indeed, I believe the more steadfast the Chinese and the Japanese remain in their pride of race, the easier I shall find it to get on with them. While an anti-Semite, it might not be technically correct to classify Adolf Hitler. Titler? <laughs> While an anti-Semite might not be technically correct to classify Adolf Hitler as a typical white supremacist due to his views on his sphere Asian history, however, it is correct to say that he wanted a eugenically selected Germanic race to achieve world supremacy. Yes. And finally, finally, since we bored Chris to tears, yes, we have one. The, it's not, it's just, the little tidbits and facts are not as outlandish as I'd hoped they would be. They're still a little weird, though. I mean, what weird. did you want? Oh, well, this guy used to, you know, fuck a goat and yeah, and, and and dance at midnight in the nude with his wife, yeah, that'd be, Imelda. That'd be good for the podcast. <laughs> Can we make up some stuff? Like, number two and a half. <laughs> number 1.3. Hitler invented Velcro. <laughs> no. That would be an unusual fact. That, that would be an unusual that fact. That most people don't know. Well, so a lot of people don't realize... That's not true. I mean, that's true. A lot, a lot of people don't realize that it's because of the Napoleonic Wars that we have canned foods. Hmm. A guy who worked under I mean, Napoleon no, no, created I cans. I know that fact. But yeah. There's not a lot of people who really know that. So you can thank Napoleon and his people for creating canned foods. Yay. I guess. Yeah. Well, that's how they got their, quote, MREs at the time was in cans. Yeah. So, all right. 
Needless to say, Yay, Imperial French people. Yay! Marissa's great grandfather fought with Napoleon. Alongside Napoleon? Yes. Not just like two guys in an alley fight. <laughs> I will get you. No, you won't. No, actually, he was Portuguese. Yeah, that would make a little so more sense. He'd sound little. Yeah, because Marissa's last name is actually Portuguese, not mine. Her. The Napoleon's. No, not Napoleon was Portuguese. No, Napoleon's not American. Napoleon's French. He was French, and he was five nine, not as short as everybody thinks he was. Like Teller. He was technically, yeah, but when you stand next to a guy who's like 6'10", but uh, uh, he was actually considered tall for the French at the time, which is weird because we have a Napoleonic complex. Number one, the strange case of Albert and Hermann Goering. Hermann Goering is known as one of the worst defenders of the Nazi regime, standing behind the aerial assault on Britain, the Gestapo, and anti-Semitic statements and directives that caused countless lives. However, what is less known is that he had a brave and ardently anti-Nazi younger brother who went to significant lengths in a bid to save Jews targeted by the Nazis. Hey. Albert Goering drew on his profound dislike of violent persecutions carried out by the Nazis and used the Goering last name to obtain exit permissions on travel documents allowing escapes from Nazis Germany. Hmm. An even cleverer tactic nice. was to request labor from concentration camps, send trucks, and then had the prisoners released once taken away. Interestingly, it has been suggested by some that Albert Goring, Goering, said to have a different look from his brother, might possibly have been the child resulting from an affair between the children's godfather, a Jewish physician <laughs> named Hermann von Epstein. He's Jewish. It's actually Epstein, but still, sounds good. The, uh, the boy's mother, Fanny Goering, was often alone due to her husband's travels adding to the rumors. Throughout the war, Albert was engaged in many efforts to rescue prisoners, uh, and you should see his beard, uh, which caused Gestapo reports to be filed against him. However, his family connections allowed him to escape and continued the rescues. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Top 10 yay. Cue Nazi music. It's over. Another achieving reality of the podcast in the bag or the can or the toilet or the dumpster. Don't light it on fire, though. We're not the Cleveland Browns. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that. We really did like the potato chips, they're a little off, but uh, you know, you got to get used to it. And we mentioned something about potato dogs, and then there was a flash of lightning, and everybody died, and uh, we all came back as zombies. Cookies. I'm a fat guy. Always a fat guy. Alright, well, I do hope you enjoyed it. So, uh, for Marissa, Chris, myself, and everybody else, this is Larry saying... Hey everybody, Larry here from Achieving Reality, the podcast. So you've missed the last few episodes, have you? That's cool. We got you covered now. 
That's right, Achieving Reality the Podcast is now on Spotify. Nice, right? So, now you can listen to us on Podbean, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, and Spotify. We're growing and growing. I mean, wow. Follow us on Facebook and give us a listen on all of our new platforms and our old platforms. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Achieving Reality, the podcast. See you soon. Uh, the ingredients are potatoes.